Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome from Washington, D.C. Is it me, or does that song go down a little bit in volume at that one spot every week? I think you are... There is something that happens that it sounds a little... I I like it that it's that way every single time, because then you always get to comment on it. Well, the That's thing right. is, is I, uh, Ken, you got to remember on their end, it probably sounds fine because it okay. sounds perfectly wonderful when we hear it. That's on true. That's theirs. true. But um, I'm however, I need beat. to tell Aaron that we have it here and then we do another separate video with this. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how are you? I'm doing hunky dory. I have had uh, the last nine days of craziness where I have been learning uh, 12, uh, 12 different systems to be able to uh, be able to eventually do all of this stuff so that I can be putting everything on automatic mode. And it's kind of wacky doodle because you need these five to talk to this five to talk to those three. That ended up being more than 12, just so you know. I just added wrong. I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. <laughs> it's been really, really great. And then tomorrow, I'm heading to San Diego. Uh, hopefully, going to be meeting with some veterans. I'm going to be participating with a new, well, it's not new, but a new kind of um, new to me, a training to help um, people overcome PTSD. So I'm going to be a body model for it. So my friend uh, Kim is. Um, teaching other people how to do Watsu, so I get to participate and see that. And I'll also be meeting with some other people about some production for their music that's coming out. And then I'm heading to Palm Springs and then possibly to a beach house for the weekend. So it'll be a fun week. And next week we'll be talking to you, or at least I will be, from Palm Springs somewhere. (laughs) Well, that is hard to compete with that busy COVID schedule. Yeah, it's really fun. We'll see what happens because so far everything's still on and we're still going to meet with people and have some fun things happen. Yeah, see, I was just going into the virtual worlds to really say I was going places, but man, you're really in the real world. <laughs> That's really neat. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, bring on our guest because he's got a lot of information and he has a lot of new words he's going to be sharing with us today. He certainly does. Uh, This is a wonderful gentleman that I have gotten the pleasure of getting to know recently. His name is Bob Bender. Uh, And today's program for Amplified is the business side of music. And this is why uh, Bob started his career a while ago working as a production runner for a local concert promoter. He shot a artists, uh, crews from venues to hotels, and then he went over 30 years going from that to doing amazing things where he went on to produce over 300 concerts and festivals um, all over the United States, and then he's also worked in the capacity of tour manager for people you might have heard before, like, oh, I don't know, Ringo Starr, um, and of course, uh, people that make me happy, all-star band, Billy Preston, Dwight Twilley, Lisa Lisa in the Cult Jam, one of my favorites, personally. Uh, Rick Derringer, uh, uh, Edgar Winter, A Flock of Seagulls, another favorite, Mark Lindsay of Paul Revere and the Raiders, 
New Kids on the Block and Gene Pitney, just name a couple of them. And he's toured extensively through the United States, Canada, Europe, and Mexico. And he also has been the manager of artist development for Curb Records. And he's also represented Tim McGraw, Leanne Rimes, uh, Jody Messina, Hank Williams Jr. And then he went into the Christian department and did some really great work there. And he's also worked with uh, Michael Martin Murphy, uh, managed his label, West Fest Records, uh, country music area. And then he's also worked with Lone Star and he's been on uh, Late Night with David Letterman and he's done so many cool things. Um, If I keep reading this, uh, literally, we're not going to have any time left with you, Bob. So I will leave the rest to us to explore during our show today. But it's certainly fun to have you on and have all this wealth of information and experience. And we'll talk about what you're doing now in the world, too, with your business side of music podcast that's there beside you. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Thank thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. So uh, I like to usually start off with something that's a dream of mine, and then I just only ask my guests not to copy it and to have a unique thing they'd like to do. So one of the things I'd love to do is work in the jazz arena and help produce jazz music and help with the business side of jazz. And I'm not sure there's a big niche for it, but I, that's what I want to do, and that, that would make me happy. How about you? Wow, that sounds like maybe we should get together and and partner up. <laughs> that was a good job not copying. That was yeah, really good. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Yeah. And well, hey, look, they, as they say, great minds think alike, right? Right. So we do have a, a lot in common because we both love music and we probably live our lives to actually have music inspire it. And I have three music books, uh, Keep Smiling books, and I must say that only a couple of the people that were mentioned are in those books. So I think you're going to have probably one of the most incredible Keep Smiling books. And at the break, I'm going to run out and get three of the Keep Smiling books so I can show them to you. But Paul Revere and the Raiders is one of the uh, the people we photographed. The Turtles, um, Dante from the Archies. I mean, we uh, we have some pretty interesting artists, Quincy Jones, that are musicians. So I think this will be really cool how you expand how we honor musicians that cause, I think, the most smiles in the world. I think, I think music is a universal language and smiles are a universal expression. So they're hand in hand. I, it, the thing we have to remember is music is an emotion. Mm-hmm. And whether you're sad or happy or in despair or optimistic, music will most times pull you out of that pit of whatever it is that you want to get out of and lift you up, or it'll get you through that, that extremely tough breakup you've just gone through, or it'll inspire you to, to do something grand and great. I, I think back to the, um, soundtrack that Kevin Costner, the movie dances with wolves. And to me, that was one of the most inspiring pieces of music out there and you listen to it and you just to me i just wanted to get in the car and drive across the united states and the great plains and and look at the beauty of this country so when music can inspire you to do those kinds of things you know you can't lose who was the composer was that john williams john john barry i believe john barry john barry and just separated at birth is john's so that was pretty cool yeah (laughs) all right so we uh we're so excited to bring you on we did not say anything about our sponsors. So there's two parts we need to cover. Two, one is our sponsors and two, that one of the sponsors is a reason we met you virtually. So Andrea, go ahead and share our sponsors. 
Yes, so we're, he's uh, Ken is referring to the Spark VC. That's Tony Bodo and uh, Vinny Rebus, along with their other partners, uh, who both Ken and I have been on to uh, share and speak. And Bob uh, has been on and will be on again. It sounds like uh, so that's super fun. And we also want to thank the Umbrella Syndicate. Uh, Big Events USA, Perfect Publishing, Voice America Influencers Channel, The Red Carpet Connection, and we want to, of course, give a shout out to our side of music. Well, he hasn't agreed to do that yet, so we'll you know, see. The business side of music is the sponsor. That's our honorary sponsor. We need to today. honor our featured sponsor, which is Opus.Finance, and that's a decentralized global processing system uh, through crypto technology. And, of course, our charity of choice is the Keep Smiling Movement. And it's getting that time of year where Giving Tuesdays and all of those are coming up, and we'd love you to think of us, and that's thekeepsmilingmovement.com. And uh, donations are accepted at PayPal at Keep smiling movement. And it is deductible and it is the holidays. And our mission is actually to help people be happier in 2021. That goes in a couple ways. One is to make uh, scholarships available for people that have amazing inspirational stories and get their book out there to inspire those that may have lost hope. Number two is to fix this lovely smile for people that don't have the money to get a dentist and just have something that's holding them back from sharing their smile, their positivity, and their self-confidence. And most importantly, the mental dose of hope that so many people need because of COVID, because of uh, losing a job, because of just so many other things that you just need some hope in your life. And that's what we do. And when COVID's over, some of those monies help us get to events to meet people like Bob Bender and all these other people you see in our books, they were met by donations. So that's very, very important that we get out and spread joy. Perfect. Well, thank you. So Bob, we like to start with your story, your journey. So if you'll start off with sharing where you're born and perhaps what your childhood was like that may have caused you to be inspired to get into music so much. Well, I was born in the Central Valley of California, a little town called Oildale, uh, which is also its claim to fame as Merle Haggard is from there. And I grew up in a, in a family that was not full of musicians, but we, we were a musical family. Every night, my dad would put music on the stereo. You know, you had those, those record players back then where you just stack the records and they'd drop down. And, and so my sister and I would go to sleep every night. It, it could be anything from uh, Glenn Miller and Tommy Dorsey to the Carpenters to Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66 to theater organ music. And so I had this just vast uh, learning experience of music. My dad was an insurance broker and he wanted me to follow in the business. In fact, I had been named after the, the company and, uh, you know, did it for a short period of time. But in high school, I was a musician, played in band and orchestra and the different jazz groups. When I got out of high school, I had this bug, and this was something I just couldn't shake. I would go to concerts, and all my friends would be looking at the bands on the stage, and and I I was the guy that was looking at the sound and the lights and trying to figure out what everything did, and why were those guys running across the stage and changing guitars and plugging in amps, and I said, that's what I want to do. And I, you know, when people ask you, when you grow up, what is it you want to do? I'm there. And I've been there for 45 years now working in this business that 
is interesting, uh, entertaining to many people. But to me, it's just, it's, as I said earlier, it's a passion for me. And I've just been real blessed. You know, living in where I did in California, I would get phone calls from booking agents that I would meet as I was working the shows. And I remember one day I got a phone call from an agent and he said, uh, hey, I've got this act. They're out on the road and they're touring. Would you be interested in being a road manager? And I had never been a road manager in my life. Didn't really even know what it was. And I said, sure. When does the tour leave? Oh, they're already out on the road. You need to join them tonight. And that's really how I got my foot in the door. And interestingly enough, or ironically enough, that's how so many of the jobs that I got that led me from one position to another and helped me rise through the ranks in the business. That's just how it happened. It was just knowing people and being in the right place and taking the phone calls. And uh, yeah, it was, it was yes amazing. Saying, saying yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you get known as the guy that people can depend on. Yeah, and, and it, for there was one piece of advice that was given to me, which uh, was from Bruce Springsteen's tour director one day. And he said, always say yes until you have to say no. Now, in principle, that's a great idea. But it's at one point you go, yeah, I should have said no a lot earlier on a couple things. But yeah, you just you say yes, and you make it happen. And that's what you do. And uh, who was the group? Uh, it was actually a Ringo Starr and the All Star Tour in 1989. Wow. So were you, yeah. were you tripping a little bit? It didn't really sink in until later on. And, and you know, of course, back then in 1989, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet. And I knew who some of these guys were. Obviously on the all-star tour, we had Joe Walsh and we had Clarence Clemens from the E street band and we had Niels Lofgren, but then we had these guys like Jim Keltner, who was not only an amazing session player, but he was also the drummer for the traveling Wilburys. Or we had Rick Danko and Levon Helm who were in the band. I mean, these guys played at Woodstock. So it was about two or three months into the tour that one day something just clicked. And I went, Oh my gosh, I am surrounded by music royalty. And it wasn't so much Ringo, Ringo's Ringo. I mean, he's a Beatle. But you start thinking about the rest of these guys. Dr. John was on the tour. And of course, Billy Preston, who I'd worked with for a few years leading up to that. And you start thinking about this, this dynasty of sorts, this, this level of artistic, uh, what these guys have created for 20, 30 years leading up to that. And that's when it hit me. And I went, I'm in a place that I may hardly ever replicate again. I know. I, I'm drooling over here from a photography celebrity and obviously as the guy who um, c captures these beautiful smiles and creates the books, I'm like, that would have been a very efficient way to get <laughs> a lot of amazing <laughs> musicians yeah. at one time. That That is really cool. And at first, first exact, that was your first gig. Yeah, it was, it was, when it was I heard all this stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, Ken's going to be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had a couple other tours leading up to that, smaller tours uh, that were probably seriously, for the most part, were disasters and never should have gone out on the road. But yeah, that was really the first big tour that was was just so impactful for me. And how long was that tour? That tour only lasted four months. We did the United States and Canada and then Japan. Really? Yeah, that was that it. That's a cool tour. <laughs> in and out. Yeah. In and out. And it, and it just as big in Japan. Yes. Yeah. No, about the same. Yeah. It's 
the the classic rock scene, interestingly enough, here in the United States, so I I toured with Rick Derringer and Edgar Winter together. Wow. And of course, you know, they did Frankenstein, they did Free Ride, they did all these great songs. Here in the United States and Canada, we were playing clubs, you know, 200, 300, maybe 500 seat clubs on a good day. In Europe, we were playing theaters. It was the same thing with a flock of seagulls. We flock of seagulls were playing clubs in the Midwest in Indiana. And we went down to Mexico city and we're playing arenas four nights worth of arenas in Mexico city. So I think, first of all, music is very international as we all know, but I think the classic rock scene is more impressive upon people outside of the United States. It's almost like it's a breath of fresh air for them. Well, I love Rick Derringer's song, uh, rock and roll. Hoochie That's yeah. That is such a great song. And he was with the McCoys. I mean, he's, he's been, he was, he did, uh, what was it? Uh, hang on Sloopy. Yeah. Hang on Sloopy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a lot of people didn't realize he wrote that or was co-writer on it. Uh, just yeah. so you guys know, that was my official birthday song from like the age of four on. We used to go to, um, these festivals and the people at the mariachi band actually usually or something like that would sing hang on sloopy for me so that oh. that my whole life everybody plays that for me on my birthday <laughs> good i was worried it was going to be rock and roll hoochie there for a second so uh bob tilt your camera a little because you got the he isness eyed of there because we need we need that brand in there. there is that better yeah well much better for your branding yes okay. yeah and, and because i love you I, I just said we have to. And I love you, too. <laughs> and you know what? We wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for Spark VC. So tell us about how important that is, because I'm always very grateful for connections, especially when you don't know they're going to lead to something this powerful. It's, it's a world I'm really still trying to wrap my head around. And that's this virtual world with avatars. It's, mm-hmm. it's so different for me. I'm old school. Like I said, I've been in this business for over four decades. I'm used to going to trade shows and conferences and meeting people in the hallways and having one-on-one discussions. And all of a sudden you're, you're on screen with people looking at you that are, are avatars or, you know, I like to say they're cartoons, but they're these avatar creatures. And it's just, trying to wrap my head around it. Now, as I say that, I was telling Andrea, I have two more events this week and next week where I'm doing exactly that, one up in Canada and and one in New York um, before I jump on another one in, in Nashville the following week. So it's starting to become, especially because of what's going on with COVID and the lockdown of our industry, and that's something a lot of people may not know, is that the music industry, the entertainment industry as, as a whole, but the music industry especially has cratered. The, the coronavirus has destroyed our business. Right. And so we're all trying to find new ways to, to get out there and create things. And, you know, you can't get bands back on the road. And what is a live performance anymore? So I, I think such events like Sparks or Reignite or Indie Week, these, these events that are out there now to help the artist or someone who's in the music business, this helps us at least keep the blood flowing, keeps a little bit of stimulation uh, taking place. So it, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I, I'm an old dog, but I think I can learn new tricks. So I, I have a big prediction, Bob. 
um, because I've been studying music since roughly 67 ish. And by the way, my dad had a, like a mint condition 45 collection. And it, I mean, it, you would drool to see that it was only two boxes, but man, it was gold, golden. So I knew stuff when I was three or four, that when I started DJing at age 18, they were like, how do you know this stuff from the fifties and sixties? <clears throat> and you and I are going to have a sidebar conversation later, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to say that <clears throat> what's going to happen, I think, in 2021, but specifically 2022, is there's going to be an explosion of what this renaissance created. I think we're going to get some amazing music and some amazing movies that come out because the writing, the collaboration, the conversations, the perspective on life is going to cause real, real art to come out. I think you've brought up a, a perfect example of what we've been hearing when on our on our podcast each week, we always try to have a different guest to cover a different field of expertise. And in the early stages of, of this pandemic, we had some booking agents on the shows, one from Europe, one from the East Coast here in the States. And I asked them, so how do you see this thing playing out? How do you see it working? And they're like, oh, you know, we think by summer we'll be rescheduling thing. By fall we'll be, you know, and now I'm talking to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're done. You know, it'll be minimum 2021, probably 2022 before we see something. With that being said, so many artists or acts that were out there wanting to push, uh, wanting to release their albums are now pushing back. And what we're finding out is it's giving them some time to reflect and it's giving them time to go, I think I can add a song. I think I can, I can do something else that is thought provoking. We just interviewed Lacey J. Dalton last week for the show. And, and if you don't know who she is, she great country music legend in, in the eighties and nineties. And now kind of this Americana queen that they Rolling Stone, I think at one time said she was the Bonnie Rayet of country music. And Lacey was telling me on the interview that she's recorded these four or five songs, but because of what's taken place, because she's not touring, she can't get out and perform. It's caused her, not forced her, but it's caused her to take a step back and start writing some new material that she didn't think she was going to write and now incorporate that into this project. So instead of it being a, a four or five song EP, it may very well be a 10 or 12 cut album when she finally gets out there. So I, I think we've got to look at everything that's going on and treat it as a very positive thing. Instead of the business just cratering, let's look at it as here's an opportunity to maybe create some new direction and some new ideas and some new thoughts. And let's imagine what wonderful things can come out of this music, especially. Well, we're going to break a couple of rules in this show. And I'm going to tell you, you have really inspired me to have a really different show today. So normally our rapid fire is at the end of the show because you don't have time to ask those questions and you got to get them in. So you, you say, Hey, Bob, I'm going to give you a quick question. You give me a quick answer and we just get through as much, but I have too many questions and since we started the show before with trivia useless trivia i wanted to invite you to give a piece of useless trivia one or two pieces just for fun and i'm going to make a segue into showing you a keep smiling book a country book of some of the artists we have and okay. just get your reaction from that and then i'm going to go into just a few rapid fire questions because there's just too many i'm thinking of while we're talking so give me a, a, a useless piece of trivia or two gary lewis and the playboys uh -huh. If you remember them, 
they were actually a, a, a kind of a garage band in the beginning. Uh, what a lot of people didn't know was that Gary Lewis was the son of Jerry Lewis. And Gary did not want to play off of his father's name. They went out and actually auditioned at Disneyland and got a gig playing there at the Tomorrowland Theater. And that's how they got discovered. Really? And uh, Gary's mom, Jerry Lewis's wife, the comedian's wife, she's the one that wound up actually funding their album that got them the success that they had. This Diamond Ring, the, the first one? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Those are the things that I, I find that are, are completely useless, but musical trivia that I just love. I love it. And is this going to be possibly part of your, your book or is this? A yeah. So the, the book I'm writing is going to be based on my 40 some odd years in the industry, sharing stories of who I've worked with and how the things came about and uh, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. I've always said, I always had to wait for just a couple artists to pass away before I, I, I would get that far. Uh, but no, I, so I'm writing that. So at the beginning of each chapter, there will be a useless piece of trivia leading into that particular chapter. Yeah. Well, um, if you do not have a publisher and you're self-publishing, I cannot tell you how much love, care, and just amplification I will do for your book. I've done, I've published 187 books roughly on Amazon, and your project would be obviously addressing my 35 years of being a DJ and just loving being in the music collection. And, and by the way, I might even be able to juice up that useless trivia a little bit. <laughs> but um, that would be the funnest project, I think, that would come out of COVID. Man, that, that would be incredible. So I'm going to show you, um, I'm going to show you one of the three, okay? Um, I, I think I'll send you the other two later. But this is the, uh, I'm going to share the screen. <clears throat> this is what the cover looks like. And Belinda Huseman is the, uh, the person sharing her story about how country music's changed her life. So I'm just going to flip through here very quickly and show you a couple of, uh, this is Splenda on the right. And then, so I just, I don't know how many of these artists you're going to know, but I just want you to see that we've made a little bit of a dent in Nashville. T. Graham Brown worked with yeah. him a few years back. Yeah. Okay. I figured this would bring back a couple of conversations or memories. There's Crystal yeah, Gale. Oh, and, and Crystal Gale. Uh, interesting story about Crystal Gale. We, um, I was working with an artist out of New York, an Americana artist, and we had, we had actually literally run into Crystal Gale one day, she and her husband, in a restaurant, and we said, hey, would you be interested in being on this album? We have this one song. And it, her husband is, is her attorney also, and he said, well, send us a song, let us listen to it, and we got a phone call a couple of weeks later and go, yeah, let's do the song, but you come to our studio in Nashville and we'll cut it here. And I just, to me, that was just like, you talk about a true professional and a darling woman. Yes. And, now, and given that um, we are at the bottom of the hour, so put this on a pause just a second for us, Ken. Uh, okay, we want to thank our we sponsors. We got to say Oak Ridge Boys first, though. We have to say Oak Ridge Boys. Oh yeah, William there. Lee Golden. Yep. <laughs> well, All right, now we we'll get a sponsor. Story there. So uh, <laughs> there you go. So uh, Ken, stop sharing for just a moment, so we can it. go back to the regular screen. Yep. And we want to thank our sponsors again, Opus.Finance for deglobalized or decentralized global processing. 
The Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, The Red Carpet Connection, Voice America Influencers Channel, The Spark VC, and thanks to our guest, Bob Bender, who is also the host of the business side of music for being with us today. And when we come back, we'll have more with the business side of music with your host, Ken Rashawn, and me, Andrea Adams-Miller, your executive producer. And we'll be back after these messages. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. All right, Bob, welcome back. And we had such a great fast first segment. We're going to dig in right away with some, I guess, some more uh, rapid fire because I just have too many questions for you. Okay. And this show is normally about um, amplifying leaders that lead with their heart and, and cause inspiration, cause community, and uh, obviously a feeling of love and acceptance. So uh, I wanted to ask you about your favorite concert. What, what was your favorite concert you either saw or you went on? Pat Metheny Group. Really? Santa Barbara County Bowl. Yeah. Super, super talented. Man. Oh, my favorite artist. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I was compelled or drawn to ask you, uh, what did you think about the movie? I can only imagine the song and also Mercy Me. You know, Christian movies, for the most part, uh, seem to miss the mark. And I don't know if it's because of budget or the fear of writing something that is not only inspirational, but compelling and maybe thought provoking. But that movie did, did a very, very good job. Uh, now, let me sidebar for a minute. I know this is rapid fire and I was told to just no, give no, a simple that's answer. That's why I'm doing them earlier. No, that's why I'm okay. doing them earlier. But when that song came out, when Mercy Me released that song, I can only imagine, the record label, and I think it was INO was, was the label at that time, wanted to take it to secular radio, but they were a Christian label or a Christian label. So they came to our record label, Curb Records, and said, will you help us with your promotions team? So our promotions guy took, I can only imagine, to the river here in Nashville and gave him the song. And they go, it's a Christian song. It's got Jesus in it. You know, I don't think we're going to do this. And our guy was just, he was great. He says, play the song. Just play it once and see what happens. And the program director called him back and he goes, Oh my gosh, the phone lines are lighting up. We've never seen this before. So, you know, I think when you have something that good, just run with it. it well, it's either going to make it or it's not. 
Well, that's what actually prompted the the renaissance or the COVID conversation is that he took a break. He took a big break from his band and went back to find out what the hell he was doing with his life and also to see how his dad was impacting his success. And, and that opened up out of it. It's just, and also just the fact that Amy Grant was the person who was supposed to relaunch her career, so to speak with that song. And then says, you know, this is your song. It's your story. It's just such yeah. a powerful. And you'd mentioned earlier that you were with uh, one of the gentlemen from the traveling Wilburys, the drummer, Jim Keltner. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is my favorite group um, by far because it's a culmination of, every kind of group you could ask for in one spot. And, and you can, and you can cheat and say, well, then I get all of Bob, uh, Roy Arbison's, uh, I get all of Tom Petty's, I get all of George Harrison's stuff too. But uh, Jeff Lynn is my favorite producer. So I wanted to ask you who your favorite producer is or our group that. Uh, I would have to be Tony Brown. Tony the, Brown. the guy's just, he's a legend in the industry. I, I think Ted Templeton is also very good. Who's done the Doobie brothers. Who's done uh, Van Halen. He's done a lot of great groups, but I think between those two, I'd probably still lean towards Tony Brown. And I say that because I've had Tony on the show and he's just amazing. Well, I know that you and Andre have had uh, lots of hours are in spark VC. So I wanted to give her an opportunity to ask a, a question or two. And then I have a couple more for you. Well, the funny thing is, is um, I Bar Bob and I didn't actually meet on the Spark VC, although I went to his presentation, went to the wrong room, ran into someone I knew, and we waited the whole time talking. And then I'm like, where's Bob? We never saw Bob. So I called him to say, hey, I missed your presentation. I really wanted to see it. And uh, he and I have been laughing for a couple weeks now. But I tell you what, talk about a fun person to be around. Uh, Bob and I have had a lot of fun talking. So, Bob, it's... I want to hear more about, um, I love the behind the scenes stories, you know, uh, production and crew and all those funny things that happen. So will you share with us a couple, a, a funny story and then maybe a very moving touch heart story for us for Keep Smiling? I think one of my favorite stories, and it'll be in the book, so this is not an excuse not to purchase the book. <laughs> and by the way, which book? Is it going to be a Keep Smiling book or your book? My or book. Both. My book, yeah. Or our both, who knows? Maybe. We'll, we'll talk. Um, Levon Helm, once again, with the band, just this a legend, it, it, great songs, played at Woodstock, uh, played, performed with Bob Dylan. Levon loved to have a good time. Now, on the Ringo Starr Tour, we stayed at these four-star hotels every night. And we would stay at the same hotel for maybe two weeks. And then we had, we had our own plane and we'd fly out and we'd do a show. And then, and then we'd come back each night. The joke got to be is if we didn't beat Levon back to the room, we wouldn't get room service for at least two hours because Levon would order everything on the menu. So we had been at the Pierre Hotel in Central Park uh, in New York City for about a week when the tour accountant called me one day and he goes, we have a problem. And I go, what's the problem? And he goes, uh, we got Levon's room service tab for the first week. <laughs> and I said, well, how much is it? And he goes, it's $10,000. And I went, okay, what's the problem? And he goes, well, we're only paying Levon $10,000 a week. <laughs> so I call Levon and it's two o'clock in the afternoon, I think. And, hey, can we come up and see you? The tour accountant, I need to come up and, and chat with you. And yeah, come on up. Good old Arkansas Razorback boy. So we go up to a suite and there's all these food service trays and carts all over the room. Uh, Cause literally every night he would just invite people and throw these great parties and nothing out of control, just a lot of fun. 
And we said, we have a problem. Here's the deal. Your room service tab is $10,000. And as you know, we're only paying you $10,000. And he basically looked at us and he says, hold that thought. Walked over to his desk, got his checkbook out, out of his briefcase, wrote us a check for $10,000 and goes, I'll see you boys next week. That is awesome. And is that why Elton John wrote the song about him? <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to get some good useless trivia on that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, inspirational wise, Billy Preston, you are so beautiful. A lot of people relate that song to Joe Cocker, Joe Cocker. because Joe Cocker did such an amazing job with it. And I got to work with Joe uh, back in 1989 with Billy when they performed the song for uh, George H. and Barbara Bush at their inauguration. Mm. Uh, Billy played it and, and Joe sang it, but Billy wrote that song. And the story that a lot of people don't know is he wrote You Are So Beautiful for his mother because he found her to be such an amazing and inspiring woman uh, in, in all of Billy's life up until she passed away that he wrote that song for her. We're going we're gonna to keep you, Bob. We're keeping you. I am a keeper, aren't I? <laughs> I can't, so tell me a little more about uh, what you're going to share in your book. I'm, I'm excited about your book. The book is all about, you know, the different aspects of the music business, a lot of people go, man, you've got such great stories. You know, you need to write these things down for a long time. I was like, yeah, you know, okay, maybe. But now as I'm, I'm getting older and transcending out of, you know, outside of doing the podcast uh, every week, I'm not really doing a whole lot more. So now's the time to maybe start writing these stories down while I can still remember them uh, and, and have some clarity. And it's really going to talk about, Everything that goes on in the music business. And, and as I said earlier, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I've seen it all. It's, it's, this is a, I don't want to scare anybody away, but it's a very tough business to be in. And it's an extremely difficult business to make money in. But at the same time, it, to me, as I, as, as I said in the beginning, is very passionate. You have to be passionate about it. If you're getting in it to make money, you're getting into it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, but when is Get that true? A, well, yeah. Isn't that true, Bob, in uh, creative or in high talent uh, industries? I mean, whether it's sports or art or music, you are you're fighting up a client to be noticed. You are. You are. So this is going to cover uh, my touring years, my concert production years, my years at the record label, uh, how I got into the podcast business. Uh, I, I ventured into uh, producing a television show for a while and we're we're actually kind of kicking that can around again to see maybe get back into uh, doing another season of that. But it's, it's, I'm hoping it's a journey for people to read to kind of get a, a grasp and an idea of what it takes to work in this business. So you're kind of proving my point about this COVID business with the Renaissance because you're doing your best work, in my opinion, by downloading your heart and your mind so it can actually inspire and, and educate people how they can be more successful. Well, and you know, what else are we going to do? It, curling up in the fetal position, honestly, it's, it's not. And I've done that. I, I literally have. You know, I, there's been a I time. Did, I did it just before the show. <laughs> yes, I was told that about you. Uh, <laughs> well, I was multitasking. Okay, I had, good. I had, to go to, I had to go to the bathroom at the same time, so. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just, you know, I, I think sometimes you have to hit bottom 
to appreciate what you've really had and, and yes. the opportunities that have been given to you. And, and I have hit bottom a couple times in, in my career. And I'm to this day still thankful. And I've taken a break. I've taken a break from the business a few times. I, I wound up managing a restaurant for a while. And let me tell you, I will never complain about how hard the music industry is in working. Oh, that is good. nothing to 60 hours a week managing a restaurant. Yeah, I, I think the word is brutal. Ooh, <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> on a good day. And I, and I managed a barbecue joint. So every night I'd come home and the first thing is that I had three dogs at the time. They would lick my pant legs because that's, you know, just where all the good stuff was hanging out. Um, and then the other things, you know, I got out of the business for a while and went into woodworking because woodworking is a passion of mine. It's, I just, I wanted to do some things with my hands. And fortunately the, the priest at our church says, Hey, I, I've got a workshop here. Uh, why don't you come in and you start fixing things? And the next thing I know is like, hey, can you build a lectern or can you build a stand for this cross or, you know, can you build all these things? And, and man, for about a year and a half, two years, I was just, oh, it was nirvana. I loved it. That is cool. Uh, what's your favorite wood to work with? Um, I would say oak or mahogany, either one of those. It's, um, and they're two contrasting uh, grains and colors of wood, but they, to me, they meld so well together. And one's a little harder than the other, but I, yeah, you can just create some amazing things. So I imagine. Yeah, you saw me get excited. I like wood. <laughs> well, she's also a little excited because she likes the Oak Ridge Boys and wants them to redo mahogany. Diana Ross is uh, mahogany. So that's a big deal. I'll talk to William about that and see if we can, you know, maybe run that. Jill Bonds will run that up the, the flagpole. Perfect. So, being the co-founder of the Key Smiling Movement, you can imagine that I'm called to be happy a lot, and music definitely fuels that. My son does, writing does, but I actually just thought of an instance where I'm going to be angry, and I don't like thinking of that. So I'm going to share this openly on the air, and it's uh, it's a little concerning. Okay. So, Bob, I I need you to find a professional photographer and take a picture of you holding a white card. We'll put you smiling in your hand, but we need your, we need your picture in the oh. music book. We need it in the podcaster book. We need <laughs> okay. Bob, should we tell him now? Did you get it? Oh, we are in the process of getting it. I'm going to take it myself. <sighs> I was, I was so scared. I was going to have to get angry for the first yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Bob yeah, and I, gonna, were I was about to get in the fetal position <clears throat> during the yeah. show. I've, I've never done yeah. that before. Bob and I were talking and it has been determined. I am going to Nashville. So I'm going to go awesome. take the picture myself. So and we're take Vinny's and, and Tom's and all those. Yeah, I, all the, I just all the, I want to tell you, just the thought of you being angry almost made me just want to lay down. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited that you're going to connect the dots for some of these stories. And, you know, these shots would really, really change everything for both of us, uh, because this is this is what I love is social proof is when you connect the dots that you have relationships with people and you show those beautiful shots. It it causes marketing to happen for your book, for instance, or it causes you just to have more people come to your show. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool. I'm very excited about this. Thank you. We, we are to in the podcast in recent months, that sort of thing with, with the COVID shutdown of everything, our podcast numbers have just exploded because what else are people going to do? So they're, they're tuning in and finding us and, and, and we love that part of it. Well, I want to go to rapid fire, real rapid fire. Okay. Um, early. Um, is there, well, is there a question we didn't ask you that you'd like to just uh, either ask yourself and share or just uh, something you'd like to say just so we make sure we kind of have a complete show? 
Well, I'm sure as we get into rapid fire, I will think of something. I will tell you one and one other, it's not necessarily useless piece of trivia, but we talked about Edgar Winter and Rick Derringer. Mm-hmm. We actually got to stand at Checkpoint Charlie in Berlin, and I got to stand on the Berlin Wall with Rick Derringer back in 1990. That and, cool. uh, you know, that I, I'm going to say that because those are, to me, as I said earlier, you can make money in this business or not make money in this business, but when you kind of get to do those moments, and that's that's one of those true aha moments that, oh my gosh, I'm standing on the Berlin Wall. And I told Andre, I actually have a piece of the Berlin Wall sitting on my desk now in my office. Uh, yeah, they, that, they don't let you take them anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, is there any left? You know, at this <laughs> exactly. point. But in, but in uh, February of 1990, in fact, if you look right behind me, you'll see an East German officer's yeah. hat, and they were selling all their uniforms and their medals and, and hats and everything on the streets in Berlin. And so, uh, yeah, I picked up a couple. And when I got into customs at JFK, uh, and they opened up my suitcase, and there's all these rocks and these hats. And the customs agent looked at me and he goes, you just came from Berlin, huh? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and start the rapid fire with, I am going to go with a song that inspires you the most. Um, Are you going with me? Bye. Pat Metheny group. Pat Metheny. Okay, great. Andrea? So if you had a superhero power, what would it be and why? Turn time back to being a teenager one more time. Oh, and and why? A particular reason or a certain event? So I could re-educate my older self just a little bit. Mm. You know, I I was thinking about that the other day, Bob, and there's a a bad side to that. You you probably can't have the kids you have. True. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, okay. (laughs) Did I, did I mention I have eight kids and 13 yeah. grandchildren? Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let's keep with the inspiration. Um, a movie that inspires you. You know, that's tough and there's an easy answer there, but I think still, uh, wow. There's, there's a lot. You can give, you can give two. That uh, Patton. Yeah. Patton's great. Wow. Patton. I, I, I'm a history. Buff. Scott was amazing. And I just, I, I love how he played, you know, yeah. George Patton. Yeah. Blood and guts. Uh, yeah. Blood and guts. Um, God, you know, I, there's a lot of them, but I don't know if they necessarily inspire me as much as just, I love this movie so much. I'm going to watch it for the 5,000th time. Mm-hmm. The Godfather would probably be one of those. That, that is a, that is unbelievable how good yeah. that is. Yeah. All right, Andrea. Okay. And Christmas time. It's a wonderful life. You can't get much more inspiring than that. You can't. I was in that. uh, I was in the musical. It's really good. good. I'm just glad you said I was in the movie or you didn't say I was in the movie. They redid the movie. If I was in the movie, uh, I'm amazingly come back to life. (laughs) I'm an angel with wings and I'm here again. Um, As a child, what did you want to grow up and be? I'm there. I'm absolutely there. It would either be in the music industry or a race car driver. All right. Um, we're going to go with favorite movie depicting a music group. Now, there's a lot of good ones out there right now. Uh, I think Bohemian Rhapsody does an amazing job amazing? on yeah. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. 
almost famous is really good. That's really not good. necessarily focusing on a group so much as that lifestyle back then. Mm-hmm. Andrea. So do you sing and what part? I do not sing and there would be no part of me that would sing. Um, but thank you. Not even your spleen. Wow. No. You sound like you could do it. Maybe maybe more of a character voice. Uh, it would probably come off as Elmer Fudd or Donald Duck or a combination <laughs> of both. So that's why we don't go there. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, a book that changed your life. <sighs> Gettysburg or Gettysburg. Gods and Generals. Either one of those. Okay. And then uh, the second part B of this, just because we're, we're playing with this one, this question, is a book that you gift to people. Oh, and I can't remember the title of it right now. Shame on me. Uh, but it's a, it's a daily prayers book that mm-hmm. I, I have. I think it's called Daily Call that sits on, my, sits on my nightstand. And I try every day to open up and read that meditation for the day. And that's something I love to share with people. And what shame about, on me for not remembering the title. Well, I mean, we had a comedian come on and he said something pretty close. He says, there's a book that changed my life. I read it every single day. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it is. Yeah. I just go to the <laughs> store and I buy it and hand it to the person. I know where it's at. Well, you're like, I'm not going to look. I just yeah. take the money and you get the book before I see yeah. the cover. Yeah. That's very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea? Uh, what is your favorite holiday or maybe not traditional holiday that you made a holiday? Oh, Christmas. Absolutely. I, you know, if I could get away with it, I, the tree would be up right now and I'd be decorating like crazy. I, I'm a huge Christmas person. Interesting. Fun. Well, we'll go ahead and segue to a favorite Chris, Christmas song. Oh, it, it has to be White Christmas. None other. Although thing. there is a rendition of Silent Night out there that Glenn Beck got involved with mm-hmm. that to me is one of the best renditions of silent. And I didn't think there could be a better rendition, but this one is it. Okay, cool. I have a song for you uh, that a, oh, she's deceased now, but a friend of mine wrote, it's a, a Christmas song that's religious, but it's so good that I've been for years. I always said this song, it'd be like the next number one Christmas song. And you're like the one person who would maybe be able to help me figure out what to do with that for her. Sure. Her. Absolutely. I always yeah. like adventures like that. Andrea? Oh, I get another question. Sorry, I got excited well, I, about I don't know if, I don't know if you asked. Was that last <laughs> um, question? Let's see. Um, wh- what, um, when you were a little kid, so what books do you remember reading that you loved or that your mom and dad read to you? There's one book that I always found interesting, and it was called Gone Away Lake as a young boy is 9, 10, 11 years old. And it's actually still out there in print. You have to look for it a little bit, but it's about two kids who go to visit family um, out of state and they discover this small, basically kind of a little ghost town that's around this lake, Gonaway Lake. And that book always, as a kid, inspired me. The next one would have been in my teenage years and that would have been Captain Ted Lawson who wrote the book 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. And I think... If you are a history buff and especially a World War II buff, that is a must read. 30 seconds over Tokyo. Okay. A musician you wish you had met or want to meet? Beethoven. Beethoven? Yeah. I wasn't ready for that one. Yeah. I've met Pat Metheny. I worked with Pat Metheny on his show. Uh, He would have been probably about the only other one that 
you know, I mean, there's a lot of great ones out there. But well, since you love I'm, jazz, what's a jazz musician you'd want to do a project with? Living or dead? Ken just read my mind there. <laughs> dead would probably be uh, Coltrane mm-hmm. or the uh, or Monk. You know, either one of them. Yeah. Uh, living would probably be oh, you know, and we just lost Lyle Mays. Uh, I, I would have loved to have worked with him. Um, Andy Norell. There is an artist that is very underrated, actually plays Jamaican steel drums, but some of the best jazz music out there. I'd love to work with him. And uh, would you like to give another useless piece of trivia? Wow. Um, I'd, I'd have to think about that. Let me get my okay. notes out from my book. <laughs> okay. And then a, a quote that you live by? Um, if it ain't fun, we're done. If it ain't fun, we're done. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one for the music business. Yeah. Okay, uh, Andrea, a, f- a final question. Yeah, favorite place that you traveled for your business? Well, okay, so that's more than just a couple words, and I apologize, but I'll make it quick. In my okay, you got you got about a minute. Okay, in all my years of touring, either by tour bus, airplane, van, pulling a trailer, I visited literally every state, every province of Canada, most of Europe, and Mexico and never got to see anything. So that is my goal now is to get back out there and start seeing this country. But I would say, if anything, New England. There are parts of New England. I actually got to spend a couple of days in the Adirondacks and the Catskills, uh, not doing anything in between recording sessions that uh, absolutely loved. Cool. All right, do you have that useless piece of trivia you wanna share? I haven't gotten that far yet. You You've kept me busy. I have kept you busy. <laughs> All right, so uh, well, I'll thank our sponsors. How about that? While he yeah, looks up another piece, yeah, you can. Look up uh, so, Bob, quick, think of another one, and I'll thank our sponsors, Opus.Finance for decentralized um, uh, global processing uh, systems through uh, crypto technology. The red, the red. Mm. The Red Carpet Connection is one of them. The Umbrella Syndicate, Voice America Influencers Channel, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA. And, of course, our charity of choice is the Keep Smiling Movement. Please keep us in your thoughts this year. Um, donations certainly help. It's um, You can go to PayPal at Keep Smiling Movement. So the at symbol, Keep Smiling Movement, to lend a donation, whether it's a dollar, $10, or $100,000. we are happy to receive them all because we definitely inspire other people to have more positivity and help with mental and dental health and encourage uh, the world to be a better place. All right, 30 seconds. What's a, what's a useless piece of trivia you'd like to share with us? Uh, the Rolling Stones. Okay. Uh, played the Ed Sullivan show in 1964, sat on their, uh, sat in their dressing room. They actually had to wait for Chuck Berry and uh, Stiller and Mira to finish their sets before they could go out and perform. And the crowd was so loud that it upset Ed Sullivan, and he had to keep telling the crowd to be quiet, be quiet. Uh, and when that was finished, then, you know, of course, they went back into their dressing room and had to wait for the, let me make sure I get this right, the Kim sisters and the Barrosini family acrobats before they could go back on stage and perform. When they were done, Ed Sullivan said, they'll never be back on the show. And I think they were back on six more times after that. Well, a segue to that is Mr. Sullivan was in Europe and saw the frenzy of the Beatles. And that was not the case or true at all in US. US was oblivious to what was happening in Europe and right. the UK. And he came back and he says, book them. And so 
that if, if Ed Sullivan wasn't traveling, I don't know what year we were supposed to see the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Well, it has been a pleasure amplifying your beautiful soul and your stories, your mind. I can't wait to do your Keep Smiling book. We have 133 and there is, this is going to be just a beautiful, fun one. I hope that you can open up the doors of a lot of people that cause smiles in the world when Andrea visits Nashville and we can bump your book up and get all those amazing people in one book. Thank you so much for having me. I love to be had. <laughs> well, in this case, me too. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bob. Have a great week and we'll see you next week on Amplified. Stay happy, smile, and inspire others. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.